It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. We don't mess around with carbs here on Canty and Carlin. We want the garlic bread. We want the fries. It is Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. No Canty, no Carlin today. I'm Michelle Smallman alongside Andre Snellings. We have Mark running the board. Shannon is back as our producer after some time away. So we have a fun crew and a lot to get to today. Andre, what's up? I haven't worked with you in a while. I'm excited to talk with you. I'm super excited. And you're talking about carbs. I'm, I'm getting my carbs right now, drinking coffee. And uh, for me, that means anything could happen happen because uh, coffee hits me like uh, alcohol it's, uh, hits other people. Oh, okay. So buckle up for the <laughs> next four hours because we don't know what version of Andre we're going to get. It could change throughout the show. So this will be a fun subplot throughout the next four hours. But we mentioned that our producer, Shannon Penn, is back. He was at a conference over the past week in Birmingham, Alabama. Yep. And before he left, I had told him that I ran a half marathon in Birmingham and it's sneaky cute. It's it's one of those cities that is overlooked, underrated, and sneaky cute. So, Shannon, welcome back. We're pumped to have you back. What is your scouting report on Birmingham? Oh, absolutely loved uh, Birmingham. Was there for NABJ, National Association of Black Journalists, an amazing event throughout the week. Outstanding. And, and it seems as though in the world of sports and other things that Al- Alabama was the epicenter of the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Alabama definitely in the headlines. But we got we got to discussing this before the show. Birmingham, sneaky great place. We want to know what is the sneaky best sports city or town in America. We're going to open up the phone lines and we want to hear from you today. Today's a day to put on for your city. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. We're going to weave in your calls throughout the show and we're going to determine at the end of this thing what is the sneaky best sports city or town in America. But first, Andre, we have to start in Washington with some news coming out of Commander's training camp. So we know that a lot of changes are happening there, namely new ownership, and they have a new offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. He's had clearly a lot of success with the Kansas City Chiefs, wanted to go to Washington for this new opportunity to prove that he could do it outside of Andy Reid's wings, outside of Patrick Mahomes, outside of Kansas City, because he's interviewed for a head coaching position 15 times, but he's yet to land the job. And we know that Eric Bieniemy comes with a certain type of intensity. It's been well documented what type of a coach he is. And Ron Rivera has come out and discussed this, how his Eric Bieniemy's intensity is translating in Washington. He said that some of the players in Washington have expressed concern over Bieniemy's intensity during practice. Here is the commander's head coach, Ron Rivera. A lot of these young guys, you know, they do struggle with certain certain things. Um, and a lot of you also got to take for where they've been. I mean, guys coming from certain programs are used to it. Guys come from other programs aren't as much. So, you, you know, us as a coach, you know, I, I kind of have to assimilate and get a feel for everybody. You know, Eric has an approach, and it's the way he does things, and he's not going to change and, and, and because he believes in it. Jack has his approach. You know, um, having been a head coach, I think Jack has a tendency to try and figure guys out a little bit more. As opposed to, hey, this is it. This is the way it's going to be. That type of stuff. Where Eric, Eric hasn't had that 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 uh, that experience yet. And just that when they came to you, it was just they felt like Eric was riding them too hard. Or, well, um, they they just were a little concerned. 
So, Andre, players that have come to Ron Rivera, Rivera to express concern about Eric Bieniemy's coaching tactics. What's your reaction to this? My reaction is what was Rivera's point in discussing this in a press conference? Like, I feel like anything that he just said about Eric Bieniemy there, he could have walked down the hall and spoke to Bieniemy directly if he thought this was um, an area where, how, how did he put it? Uh, Eric doesn't have that experience like Jack because he's never been a coach. Well, then your job as as his head coach would be to communicate that to him behind closed doors. I don't really see that there's any other interpretation for him doing it at a press conference outside of that he was just kind of cutting the enemy's legs out from under him. And I, I really don't understand why he did that. So one reason, at least that came to my mind, is that all of these reporters are at camp and they can hear Eric Bieniemy yelling finish or they can see his his approach. They can see how loud he is, how demonstrative he is. They can see the way that players are reacting. So obviously they're going to ask the question and Ron Rivera is responding clearly as an open book. But another thing, too, is that in in the article that John Kime has up at ESPN.com about this situation, he says this, after Enemy was hired, there was concern over how some players would handle his approach, one source said in the offseason. So clearly this was something that Washington was aware of and was concerned about prior to his hiring. Right, but so there's so many layers to that. First of all, Washington's football culture before this year was kind of a dumpster fire for a lot of reasons, starting right. from the top down. And so they brought in Bienemy, who's known as a disciplinarian. He comes from a Super Bowl-winning pedigree. He's, as we've talked about, he's interviewed for 15 head coaching positions. He's probably the most qualified head coaching candidate that has not gotten a job yet. And so you bring him in to kind of help turn things around. And, you know, you, you pointed out that the – the reporters could hear Bienemy yelling and all of those things. But if that's what he was brought in to do, and Rivera, as a longtime head coach now, he knows coach speak. He knows you can ask Bill Belichick 17 questions and get 17 words as the answer. You know, he, he <laughs> yes. knows how to defuse the situation. And so if this is something that internally they were worried about, then why would you take it outside the house and now make it something that everyone else has to talk about and kind of do it in such a way that it just kind of shines a, a negative light on the enemy in, in a way that I don't really see why, because if they brought him in to make change, then let the man cook. Well, and, and your point is well taken about Ron Rivera being a seasoned coach and knowing how to play this game, especially with the media. If if the question is presented, he doesn't have to say that the players are concerned. He's, he can say he's had a lot of success in Kansas City. It has worked there. We hired him for a reason. We're hoping to see that translate here. You know, there's, there's mm-hmm. such a, a way to phrase it to not uh, make it such a headline because when you see Commanders players concerned by Eric Bieniemy's intensity that sends a certain type of message. It's a very pointed response. So I I appreciate him being transparent about what's happening, but I also don't know if I'm Eric Bieniemy how I would receive that. You hired me. You know the type of coach that I am. You know what type of approach that I have and 
clearly it's worked for me elsewhere and you wanted me to implement it here. So now I'm being cast in this light. Yeah. And, you know, Ron Rivera, like the enemy, used to work with Andy Reid. So they, they come from the same coaching tree. So if Rivera had any questions at all about who the enemy was before the enemy came to work in Washington, they should have been thoroughly answered. He knew what he was getting. He knew he, who he was going to be working with. And again, I mean, it's kind of the elephant in the room to me. He knows the man's circumstances. He knows right. that he's trying to become a head coach and that there are a lot of people looking at why hasn't he become a coach. And so to kind of exacerbate one of the the potential criticisms in a press conference in the preseason, like now we're talking about this. Now the story is about this. And I just don't see how that's favorable. Maybe he's playing like, 3D chess, and and he wants enemy to stay the offensive coordinator for a couple years, and he doesn't want him to get a head coaching job next year. I don't know what it is, but I, I just questioned um, the way that this played out. Well, there's pressure on a lot of people in this equation for different reasons, right? Eric Bieniemy has the pressure of going to a new organization, proving that he's not a product of Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes, and that he is so talented at, at developing an offense and a scheme and developing players that he should be a head coach somewhere. You have Ron Rivera, who this is his, what, fourth season with Washington. He needs to have a certain type of production, especially because there's a new ownership group. Josh Harris came in and said, we are looking at everything. We are examining everything from top to bottom about what we need to change in order to turn the tide here and make this a successful organization. So, there, there's pressure on everybody in different manners. Let's hear from Commander's Offensive Coordinator Eric Bieniemy about his methods of coaching. Eric Bieniemy is who he is. Okay, Eric Bieniemy knows how to adapt and adjust. Eric Bieniemy is a tough, hard-nosed coach, but also understand I'm going to be the biggest and harshest critic, but I'm also the number one fan because I got their back. My job is to make sure that we're doing it the right way. There's a way to do it. Do they understand that? Yes, because they're seeing the results. We're making a lot of strides. I'm proud of these guys. It's been some, excuse my language, some good to watch. (laughs) So he's not, he is not backing down at all. He's saying, this is who I am. This is what they can expect from me. And I am going to make changes. And he needs to. This is an offense that hasn't ranked above 20th in points or yards per game since 2017. So clearly he was brought in to light a fire underneath this offense and to make those wholesale changes. Yeah, I I liked everything that he said in that 30 seconds. For First of all, he started off with like a hip-hop subtext, you know, <laughs> because he, he came in there and said I, his first what, first 10 words, he says, I know how to adjust and to make changes, which is exactly what Ron Rivera accused him of not knowing how to do because he's never been the head coach before. So it felt like to me that that line felt like he was speaking directly to Rivera. Like, no, I know what I'm doing. You know, don't don't, don't call me out on this because I know what I'm doing. And I've got some rings um, to, to show for it. Right. And then in addition, what he said about I'm going to be their harshest critic, but also their biggest fan. Tyreek Hill has already come out and publicly said that today, you know, in response to this. he That was what he said was, you know, nobody had our back the way the EB did. And, yes, he's tough, but it's going to make you better. So everything that Biennemi said, he's got some of his highest profile former players echoing and amening it um, uh, from far away. And if you're not having success 
as as an organization, offensively, you didn't have a lot of success. It might be tough to hear. It mm-hmm. might be tough to have Eric Bieniemy come in and bark at you and uh, read you from head to toe and tell you what you're doing wrong. But you need to hear that. That's what you you know. Maybe you don't love the approach. Maybe you wish it was done in a different manner. But he's had the success and you have not. And he was brought in to change things. And you know, sometimes Andre. I, I wonder if it's a generational divide as well. And I know football is a little different. There's a there's a different tone and a different expectations for communication within the confines of a football field or a football locker room. But I remember one time in covering baseball, I was talking to a player and and conversely talking to a coach. And coaching used to be kind of like the Eric Bieniemy style where you would bark, you would bark, you had a little bit of a harshness about you. And one player did not receive or respond well to that type of coaching. And so the the manager had to adjust the way that they communicated because, you know, if it's a different generation of person or player and they're not used to criticism or the harshness like that, they, they you know, it's, it's sometimes up to a, a good leader to adjust the way that they deliver the message. But I don't know if this is particularly that case because he has the success and they do not. So, you know, it's a fine line that you need to balance between the two. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. Everything that that, that you said there, that could be valid. Um, it could be that enemy may need to tone down a little bit because it's a new generation. You know, enemy is essentially my generation a little bit older. And the coaches that I had, you know, coming up and, and, and up through college – they tended to be that kind of hard-nosed style because that's how things were then. Maybe times have changed to an extent. And also something else that hasn't really been talked about is that Washington doesn't have an experienced NFL quarterback. And mm-hmm. so if if you've got a leader, if you've got a Patrick Mahomes like, like he had in Kansas City, perhaps either A – you can be critical of everyone else because if you're being critical of Mahomes, then everybody else falls into line. Um, we talk, we hear that a lot with uh, Belichick and Brady that because he was uh, Brady took the criticism, everybody else would. And the other uh, angle is maybe if you had an experienced NFL quarterback, the new offensive coordinator wouldn't have to come in and be so heavy-handed as 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 a leader because the quarterback could handle some of those leadership responsibilities himself. Right. So th- there are, are different elements in play here, but. My my thing is all of these conversations could have been had off the scene between the coaching staff and the leaders of the Washington Commanders. I don't see why we need to have been brought into this conversation because it just it seems like a head coach speaking bad about an assistant. And we just saw Sean Payton get into trouble a couple <laughs> weeks ago for doing that with somebody else's assistant. Well, Rivera just did it to his own guy, and I don't get it. Well, let's hear from our ESPN NFL analyst, Louis Riddick on what you were just talking about, Andre. Should Ron Rivera have kept these comments internal? Those conversations should be had all the time in-house, but they shouldn't be had with us. Because you know what it does now? Now I'm on the radio talking to you about it. (laughs) And who knows who's listening, right? Who knows if this owner or that owner is listening going, oh, what? Who does he say? Eric Bietemi, what? Players are complaining about how hard he could. You know what? That's exactly what I thought. You know what? That's why. You know what? I don't want that guy as my head. You know what? And see, that's. That's the kind of BS that just you just don't want and you don't need. He had no obligation to either say something or not say something, but the fact that he did say something, it for sure isn't going to help the situation overall as it relates to the opinions that people have of Eric Bieniemy. That's for sure. 
Exactly what you were just saying, Andre. This just compounds the questions that surround him and why he's interviewed for a head coaching position 15 times, has had all the success he's had in Kansas City, has won championships, and still doesn't have that head coaching job. Yeah, it, it compounds it and it brings it to the forefront. Again, not only is it not good for Biennemi, but why is this good for the Washington Commanders, right? Like, now that this is a talking point, it's going to be a talking point moving forward. And we're in training camp, right? Yeah. So so part of – I just brought up the Peyton thing. Part of what Peyton alluded to was all of the, the, the circus and the hard knocks and, and, and how that, you know, can, can bring negativity into a football team that's trying to develop and grow and do something. So the Commanders – They've, they've got this whole new world. They've got a new ownership group. This is their chance to turn the page and do something fresh. Why do we want to have a negative um, kind of media circus when there was no need at all for it to happen? Well, let's hear from our ESPN NFL analyst, Lewis Riddick, again. Is he surprised at all by the response to Eric Bieniemy within the Washington Commanders team? Players aren't going to respond favorably to that all the time. You are going to have to be mindful of not your message, but how the message is conveyed. Because his messages and, and what they really stand for, they come from a championship lineage, so to speak, during his time down there in Kansas City. He's been around the very best there is. He's won championships. He's been a part of championship-caliber staff. He, he gets it. So sometimes maybe you do need to tailor the way in which you deliver it so people hear the message instead of just hearing your voice. Yes, yeah, sometimes, Andre, it's all in the delivery, not in the message. Yeah, this has been kind of a serious topic, but when he says the best there is, all I can think of is Ricky Bobby. But <laughs> uh, uh, but, but, but still, you know, like, like we just talked about, I think there are valid discussions about the best way to coach the today's player versus yesterday's player. I just think that it's a conversation that Rivera and Bienemy should have had and not one that now we're having because Rivera brought it to the public. So you're telling me if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> and Eric Bienemy has been first, therefore the commanders have been last and they should listen to him. Is this <laughs> what I can deduce? There it is. Everything you said. I, I wish I could say the whole line that it starts with, uh, you know, I'm about the best there is, but uh, I'm, I'm sure the FCC wouldn't like it. Yeah, let's, let's keep it clean here on ESPN Radio. And ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Andre Snellings. I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canteen Carlin here on ESPN Radio. Again, give us a call, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888 If you want to tell us why your city or town is sneaky, the best sports city or town in America. But coming up next, how does something like Ron Rivera's comments about Eric Biennemi go over in the locker room? We're going to ask a Super Bowl champion next. Excuse my language, some good to watch. (laughs) This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not 
cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Alongside Andre Snellings, I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. It's kind of the summer of the running back, Andre. It feels like every single day we're talking about running backs in the NFL for one reason or another, and the latest has to do with Jonathan Taylor. So we know that he's been in a standoff with the Indianapolis Colts over his lack of a contract extension, and now the all-pro running back has left Colts training camp to continue rehabbing his ankle injury that he's been dealing with Offsite. He was not in attendance at practice today, even though other injured players are customarily expected to be on the field for each workout. His coach said that uh, Shane Steichen said that Taylor was absent as, quote, part of his rehab process. If you don't see him out here, it's part of his rehab. What's your reaction to this? Do you think that this is part of the rehab, as they're saying, or do you think that this has more to do with his unhappiness with the organization? The timing is awfully coincidental that he just happened to have to leave the team um, to rehab now when he didn't have to leave the team to rehab a couple weeks ago before all of this kind of negativity um, came out. So I feel like that there's a statement in the timing of this. I feel like Taylor is very clear that he wants a new contract now. And the Colts ownership has been very public and very clear in kind of their – almost a shut up and dribble type of, you know, be be grateful for what you have uh, type response and we're not trading you. So it feels like to me the battle lines have been drawn and that this is Taylor's next move in, in trying to advance his piece forward. Yeah, it definitely feels like a who's going to blink first type situation, almost a power move. Now, I know that uh, at ESPN they are reporting that the Colts were previously made aware of Jonathan Taylor's plans to continue his rehab away from the team. His absence is expected to last several days, but as we previously stated, the Colts had other injured players and they are customarily expected to be on the field for each team workout. So it does seem like he could accomplish both, that he could be doing his rehab away from the team in different times while still being there for camp. But, you know, it just seems like every day, Andre, we're talking about an unhappy running back, a standoff with a team, whether it's, you know, earlier in in the offseason, Saquon Barkley and now Jonathan Taylor. And it's just, it doesn't seem like this is going away anytime soon with the 
state of the running back in the NFL. Yeah, it's, and it's been coming to a head for a few years. And it's interesting for somebody like me. Um, we were talking last segment about the differences between uh, old school sports and football and new school sports and football. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the big differences growing up, the running back was always my favorite player, right? You know, Barry Sanders was my favorite all-time player that wasn't on the Bengals. My favorite player of all time is a, a Bengals running back, James Brooks. Like, those were the most important players in the game to me. And in today's NFL, that's obviously not the case anymore. It's, it's about the quarterback, and it's about uh, a passing offense, and I understand all of that. But the way that, that the position has been devalued so much financially, um, it, it's, it's almost like kind of what like what the Colts owners uh, said. They, like, yeah, you know, a running back is almost a dime a dozen these days. But it's I don't feel that to be true on the field. And a lot of times people – use a type of, of of analytics to try to support the case that, well, no Super Bowl champion uh, in the last nine, ten years has had a great running back. But I, I think that's kind of sketchy. I think there is still value there, and there's just this big push right now for who can gain la- leverage in is the position going to ever have value, or is it something that's just kind of going to dribble away both uh, financially and with talent? Because why will talented players continue to play running back if they're not going to be compensated at the highest level? Well, the running backs had gotten together a couple weeks ago to discuss this very topic. We actually spoke to Chargers running back Austin Eckler right here on Canty and Carlin uh, about a week and a half ago. And he was the one that organized this collective Zoom with his peers, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, just to name a few. They got together on a Zoom to discuss the state of the running back position and how they can better their circumstances moving forward. Here's what Austin Eckler told us about how running backs are going to change the narrative moving forward our position is still a pivotal role in every offense and so what is next as far as short term is us continuing to prove that us continuing to have you know our top guys go out there and be the top guys if you're a five-star i need you to be a five-star right now we're getting in a situation where our top guys are getting compared to the generalness of of running backs and you know we need our guys to go out there and continue to play at a high level i got to go out there and continue to play at a high level i got to score another 20 touchdowns be consistent run for 1600 yards passing catching continue to play the sport at a high level because that will be the best thing that we can do to combat are these running backs impactful enough to be able to pay us which for whatever reason has become this narrative And they're almost in a catch-22 situation, Andre, because he's right. The only way for them to continue to drive home their value and their importance is by going out there and doing it. But as they have spoken about publicly, teams are viewing the analytics and – they're saying if you get X amount of carries and your production is at this level, typically that's when we start to see an erosion at the position. Therefore, if you hit these markers, if you go out and do your job and you put up that production, we're not going to pay you afterwards because we don't think that you're going to be able to sustain that. So and they're in a really difficult position. Absolutely. And, and I feel like they're kind of bullet points of, of angles that they can attack to try to develop some leverage. Some of it is what um, Eckler was just talking about by competing at a high level. But I think it's kind of more granular than that. Because, mm-hmm. so, yes, those that can run the ball at, you know, standards of deviation higher than the average running back, they can create separations and value. It's like, okay, a replacement running back can get you to X, but I can get you to Y and Z. So, yes, I do think that they, that they do need to keep doing that at a high level. I also think they have to, you know, 
running backs that are able to compete in the passing game, you know, which Eckler is one. He's an excellent receiving running back. Saquon was one. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. They have to show how valuable they are to their team's passing game and show that this isn't something, again, that you could get from the average running back, that I bring value that's separate from what everyone else brings. And then I wonder if Taylor is kind of coming up with a third angle by bringing this to a head now when he's still only 24 years old. Because the way that the NFL collective bargaining agreement is set up, running backs are drafted, right? So you got those first four years, if, if they weren't taken in the first round, they've got four years that a team controls their rights. Then the team can franchise them for two years, uh, up to two years after that. And so by the time they will come to a head where the team doesn't have control of, of, of their financial future, they're 27, 28 years old. Even Saquon was 26 coming into it. And by pushing the envelope at 24, when even the most jaded person that, that, that criticizes running backs and feels like they, they burn out too quickly, they know that at 24, he still has a lot left to give. So I wonder if by pushing the envelope early, that's another way that the running backs can try to develop some leverage. He's Andre Snellings. I'm Michelle Smallman. Much more on Jonathan Taylor, the running back situation, and Eric Bannemi's coaching tactics with Booger McFarland. He's going to join us next. Keep it here on ESPN Radio. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Alongside Andre Snellings, I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. And let's get right to it with our ESPN NFL analyst, Booger McFarland, who joins us now. Booger, thanks so much for the time. We were just discussing the latest coming out of Washington Washington Commanders camp where Ron Rivera shared with the media that some Commanders players were concerned by Eric Bieniemy's intensity, their, their new offensive coordinator there. What was your reaction to these comments? Do you think that Ron Rivera should have kept this in-house? Um, I don't necessarily 
worry about it, whether he keeps it in-house or not. I, I think the bigger issue is the fact that uh, players that have been in, a, in a, a very bad culture the last several years are concerned about being coached hard. <laughs> I, I think that speaks volumes to uh, where they are right now in the process of, of building a winner in Washington. Um, and, and I like the head coach kind of calling the players out a little bit in the media. And I think they're going to get asked about it. I think Eric Bieniemy is going to get asked about it. He's already said, hey, this is who I am. And I think his track record of success in Kansas City and who he's coached and how he's coached is, is very well documented. So uh, to me, this is an issue with the players in that locker room uh, in Washington. And I kind of like the fact that coach kind of, hey, here's what's going on. Like, we always look to coaches to, to answer questions, and when they do, uh, we say, hey, should they have not answered the question? So I, I really got no issue with it. I think the players in that locker room really got to look themselves in the mirror and say, do we want to win? Uh, because Eric Bieniemy has proven he knows how to, and he's proven he can develop quarterbacks and do all those different things in Kansas City. So I think the players in Washington have to really come to grips with how they're being coached and kind of man up. Wow. Okay. So, Booger, I think I'm going to stay there, follow up on that. So, you've been in NFL locker rooms. What is it like when a new coach comes to town trying to bring a new culture from the player's point of view? How is that received in locker rooms where where success or, or failure can be determined by how well they can listen to the new sheriff? Well, think about it this way. Usually when you get a new coach, that means the old one didn't do his job and you probably – uh, have been losing for a minute. Like rarely ever, other than the San Diego Chargers when they fired Marty Schottenheimer, is a coach going 14 and two and getting fired. So let's understand that we have we are losing and we have lost, and there's a reason that a new coach is here because the old way didn't work. So I, I've been a part of that process, and normally what happens, man, is you're all ears because what what you were doing wasn't working. So you got to try something different, and, and I think most players realize that. Uh, is it going to be different? Absolutely. Should it be different? Sure. Uh, should it feel good? Probably not. Like, this is pro football. My job is not to hold your hand. You're being paid millions of dollars. My job is to coach you, and if how I coach you doesn't fit uh, the style, then one of two things has got to happen. Either A, I've got to adjust my style, or B, you got to adjust how you learn and, and, and how you adapt. And so uh, I think both can be true. But based on what's going on in Washington right now, we're only, what, a week into training camp, and they're trying to figure out who they're going to be, who the quarterback is. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, this is his first job away from Andy Reid. He's probably trying to lay down the law. So I get it. Uh, but I think as a professional player, you have to be uh, or have the ability to adapt, especially when what you've done the last few years hasn't worked. Our ESPN NFL analyst, Booger McFarland, joining us here on Canty and Carlin. And, and Booger, Eric Bieniemy has, as you mentioned, had a ton of success in Kansas City. He goes to Washington, and he's trying to prove that he can do it away from Patrick Mahomes, away from Andy Reid. He's interviewed for a head coaching position 15 times and is yet to land the job. If he's able to turn around this offense in Washington that hasn't ranked above 20th in points or yards per game since 2017, are there any reasons out there why he should shouldn't get a head coaching job moving forward? Well, I don't think there are any reasons now. And, and let's mm. face it, uh, he's got to get a quarterback in Washington before we can judge him correctly. So I'm not going to judge him based on, um, you know, based on you know what he's dealing with right now. I, I'm going to judge him in the end based on once he gets a quarterback, uh, can he then take them to the heights that they need to go? And so um, 
Eric Bieniemy has proven enough. Like, Eric Bieniemy has been scoring points offensively for the longest. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, it would be kind of unfair for us to say he's got to do it again. Like, he's done it for the last several years. So do you think that the – criticism, I guess, inherent in what Rivera was saying um, gives us any insight into why Biennemi hasn't gotten the head coaching job in uh, in his 15 interviews? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think it just shows you that Eric Biennemi knows how to coach professional football players, which is you got to coach them hard. And, and guys, let's face it, understand this. In today's NFL, like these guys don't practice a lot. These guys, I mean, they got a, an acclimation period where you can't put pads on. Like, there are so many rules against how you can coach your football team. So the fact that when Eric gets an opportunity in training camp where guys have pads on, where guys have uh, the ability to have some physical contact and he's coaching them hard, I got no problem with that. And and, and so hopefully people realize that. And uh, I'm not going to complain or, or, or listen to the complaints. I don't remember hearing these complaints come out of Kansas City, and I think they've been pretty successful been the five foot AFC championship game, won two Super Bowls. And I didn't hear anything coming out of there about Eric Bienemy's coaching style being too hard. So why would I listen to what's coming out of Washington when they haven't won anything, I mean, what, since the Hawks? So I'm not really concerned about what they're doing. I, I will put my, my reputation on Eric Bienemy and with the success he had in Kansas City before I put it on a week in Washington. Tremendous insight from our ESPN NFL analyst, analyst, Booger McFarlane. Booger, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. No problem. And Andre, I thought what Booger had to say there was very spot on. You didn't hear a lot of this coming out of Kansas City, and they had tremendous amount of success, and now you're hearing complaining early on in Washington, a place that didn't have success. Yeah, I mean, Biennemi was brought in for a reason, and it seems like what he's doing is the best way, in my opinion, to get them from where they were to where they need to be. So, like I said earlier, man, let the man cook. (laughs) Indeed. He's Andre Snellings. I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canteen Carlin here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. And coming up next, the NFL Network has shared their top 10 quarterbacks and their NFL Top 100, and these were voted on by NFL players. They listed Jalen Hurts over Joe Burrow. We're going to hear what Andre has to say about it next. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.